Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. Here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. What up, everybody? Welcome in. It's Hardwood Handicappers Late Week Edition. Recording from a little bit of a different spot. Usually I greet you from uh, the confines of my wonderful office back at home in Las Vegas, Nevada. Not the case today. I'm actually recording this in a hotel room out in New Jersey. Uh, yeah, a little bit on the road, but Harvard Handicap are still the same. We got a good episode on tap for you today. We got a lot of stuff to get into from a news and notes standpoint. Also, got to talk about a brand new favorite in the sixth man of the year market as well, uh, which is, uh, I wouldn't say shocking in terms of him being the favorite, but uh, we'll get to that momentarily. But we got a good show on tap. But there's a lot of news in the NBA and uh, a lot of news around. I'd say the biggest name in the NBA. So let's get to it. Hardwood headlines. So, of course, big news coming out of the association is the fact that LeBron James could miss the next two games with injuries to his groin and foot, directly from Sham Sharanya uh, and his Twitter account. Lakers star LeBron James, day to day, due to a left adductor strain, doubtful to play against uh, the Kings on Friday. James may miss that home game against uh, the Kings on Friday and Sunday versus the Nets. But the Lakers do have a, a weird scheduling quirk. It would actually allow him to get eight days off because they're going to play the Nets on Sunday. And then they don't play again until Friday, November 18th, which is pretty wild. Like, that's five days off. Very rare for an NBA team. But uh, it's the Lakers. Conspiracy theory, I guess, if you will. But it, it does look like potentially... LeBron's going to be able to miss at least two games and then get a total of eight days off leading into their third game, which would be against the Detroit Pistons. Now, it's no guarantee that he is going to be back by that date on November 18th. It's just noteworthy, of course, because it's a little bit of a quirk of the schedule. Uh, from Darvin Ham, quote, it being the adductor, uh, not torn. That's the biggest thing, that he didn't tear anything. It was good news. I'm sure it's painful, doubtful, day-to-day, whatever. 
I'm just happy there wasn't anything torn. End quote. That was, again, from Lakers head coach Darvin Ham. So what does that mean as we move forward here, again, from a betting perspective? Because the market is already making its opinion known. The Kings opened up as a three-and-a-half-point favorite overnight for their game on Friday against the Los Angeles Lakers. So I would say this. Look, the numbers, the pure numbers here, Lakers, LeBron James on and off the court, on. And this is, again, on the court. A negative 6.9 net rating, so they're outscored by 6.9 points every 100 possessions. A 102.4 offensive rating, a 109.2 defensive rating, compared to when LeBron James is off the court. Negative 10.6 net rating, so essentially, I'd say about a 4-point difference. Still pretty bad either way, but a negative 10.6 net rating without LeBron James on the floor. A 109.3 offensive rating, a 119.9 defensive rating, so... They get better offensively without LeBron James out there. Uh, they get much worse defensively without him out there. Uh, I would say that the better offensive rating without LeBron James on the floor is a symptom of a small sample size. Again, we're still dealing with inherently small sample sizes at this point of the season. Um, but I don't think there's really any question, and the net rating points that out, that this Lakers team is worse without LeBron James. But, you know, having said that, like, look, Los Angeles – comes into this game Friday against the Kings, 0-4 straight up and against the spread in their last four games. And remember, they closed as underdogs in their last three. They were catching five points on average in their last three games. I just wonder, you know, when you talk about from a market rating standpoint, against the Sacramento squad who, again, has had its issues here defensively uh, this year overall, and that was one of the things that wrote about in the NBA guide, which is still available, by the way, up on the website if you want to download that if you're not a, if you're a VEASAN subscriber. Uh, but one of the things that has bothered me about Sacramento is how poor they have been defensively, and that's still the case, man. They're 27th in non-garbage time defensive efficiency, giving up 116.4 points per 100 possessions. Like, I wouldn't be running to the window here to bet against this Kings team. And again, overnight, they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, the Kings are. Total of 226-and-a-half. Again, home court has been projecting to be about, about worth of two points in this season so far. Um, I just, I, I wouldn't be running to go and fade this Lakers team who's already kind of at a market low at this point right now and now is not going to have LeBron James on the floor for this game against the Kings, a bad defensive team. And speaking of that, and we'll see what the market does with this number on Friday, my initial inclination is to actually bet the Lakers as opposed to bet against them without LeBron James. But I do wonder, and this is what held me back from, and ultimately the game went under the total, uh, but the other night, right when the Lakers and the Clippers are playing one another, I believe it was Wednesday night. Uh, it might have been Thursday. No, no, it was Wednesday night. Um, I, my days are all mixed up out here on the East Coast, so forgive me. Uh, but yeah, it was Wednesday night, and you know my initial thought was to play that Clippers-Lakers game under the total. And the reason why ultimately I didn't was because the thing that has stuck out about the Lakers lately, not this 0-4 stretch, and it's not even LeBron James getting hurt recently, because uh, that was uh, you know that transpired in that Lakers the Clippers game. It's actually the fact that they've been slipping defensively, right? Like the one thing that early on in the season you can kind of expect from the Lakers is that they were going to play really good defense. That has not been the case lately. They're now 17th in non-garbage time defensive efficiency, and that goes into their game on Friday, uh, giving up 112.5 points per 100 possessions. And the culprit, when you look at some of their numbers, it has been their transition defense. Their transition defense has been atrocious. Oppon opponents' points added per 100 possessions. 
29th in the NBA. Opponents add 6.1 points to their offensive rating, essentially through transition offense against the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, in terms of just overall transition um, defensive efficiency, opponent points per 100 plays, 30th in the NBA right now, 146.2 for the Los Angeles Lakers allowed. That's really bad, man. It's really bad, obviously, being last and, you know, second to last in two major defensive categories in transition. And that's been, you know, somewhat surprising. This was supposed to be a team that struggled offensively, but at least gave you some sort of effort defensively, and has not been the case. And this poor transition defense has really led to a dip in this team's defensive efficiency. So when you combine a lot of things here, as you kind of look at what the Los Angeles Lakers are doing, and I was going to include this in the the uh, trend or trash um, segment we're going to do a little bit later. Uh, But it was worth bringing up here because the Lakers, of course, are in the news. But you do wonder now as we go forward here, we look at everything, right? So LeBron James not on the court. Defensive rating a 119.9. A team that is starting to slip in terms of its uh, ability to defend, specifically in transition defense. And also a team that leads the league right now in pace. And think about all those things combined. Lead the league in pace, inefficient on offense, but a fast pace coupled with bad defense. And over the last six games, four and two to the over. And even if we look at some of the other numbers, for example, you know, 102.4 offensive rating with LeBron James on the floor, as opposed to 109.3 offensive rating with him off the floor and a much worse defensive rating. All this kind of puts together is I wonder if this Lakers team continues to be this over team that they have emerged to be a team that plays fast, a team that does not play defense in any way, shape, or form, really, at least to an effective level, transition-wise as well, and a team that is now going to turn to six-man-of-the-year favorite uh, Russell Westbrook, who we'll get to momentarily in terms of at least his role as favorite of that market, you do wonder if this team starts to take on the shape of maybe an over team at this point right now when you evaluate them without LeBron James. And I think a lot of people might think that is counterintuitive, right? LeBron James, he's not on the floor. Why would this team be an over team? But they're going to play a little bit quicker with Russ in control of this offense. They are much worse without LeBron James out there defensively. I just think all of these things add together to potentially make a very poor defensive team at a team that maybe goes over the total with some sort of frequency. So it's going to be something to keep an eye on. You know, we were I, I was I was pretty wrong. At least it was only one game. We'll see. Um, but that Timberwolves game for the Phoenix Suns the other night, I, was, I circled that to bet that under, and I'm actually. It is a really good, I would say, lesson in that, you know, having discipline, right? Because having discipline in the way that you bet can lead you to, they're not wins, but can lead you positively. Uh, for example, so I'm, I'm going down, I'm kind of all over the place. You know, that Timberwolves and Suns game, I thought that betting that game under the total would be the angle to go. The betting market actually agreed, and I missed out on the number that opened 225.5. It ended up closing around the range of 222.5. And it went over the total. Um, so I could be wrong in my evaluation here, but I do think that the Lakers do kind of, I would circle them to look at them over the total. And an opponent like the Kings, who are another team who does not play defense and who don't mind getting up and down the floor, they're 11th in pace right now, 101.1 points, or excuse me, uh, possessions per game. I think this, especially on Friday, might be a game that we're looking at playing over the total here. And the market opened up 226, 226 and a half. Be interesting to see where this thing closes. But uh, I would think that maybe, just maybe on Friday, 
This might be a higher scoring affair between the Lakers and the Kings without LeBron James. And as we move forward here, you know, they play the Nets on Friday, or excuse me, Sunday. That would be uh, an opponent that would lend itself to an over as well. So that would be pretty interesting to watch here at this point right now. But the Lakers, I think, without LeBron James, and at least these very first two opponents, might be interesting angle to look at them and playing them over the total. All right, so from there, let's talk about a couple of other things now uh, as we're looking at the the headlines in the association. And I didn't really have a ton here. Uh, it's worth pointing out, though, uh, the Toronto Raptors has suffered another injury here. Tim Bontemps uh, on Twitter, quote, the Raptors say Precious Achua out indefinitely with partial tears of ligaments in his right ankle. And, of course, uh, for those who don't remember, the Toronto Raptors just lost Pascal Siakam to injury as well. Uh, this is now another forward in that front court that is not going to be available for the Toronto Raptors. And it's a massive blow for a Toronto team who's been playing some really good basketball for the most part. You know, they're going through, uh, they just had a, a series, we'll call it, a home split, a home road split. They played Chicago at home, then went back to Chicago. They split those two. They went on. They went then on and hosted Houston. They won that game by seven. They did not cover. They were a 10-point favorite there. Uh, but at this point right now, you know, this is one of the better teams in the NBA. They're seven and five straight up, but they're seven and four and one against the spread. But this is a massive blow for Toronto, man, because Pascal Siakam had been very good for them up to this point, and of course, um, Precious Achua is a positive contributor for this uh, contributor for this team as well. But both Precious and Pascal not being available. It's a really big blow for Toronto here, a team that maybe was going to be one of those surprise squads out there uh, in terms of their ability to compete in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, if you look at, like, some of the numbers with Precious Achua out there, like, it would paint a picture of a guy who actually isn't that valuable when he's on the court a negative three in terms of the net rating for Precious Achua, uh, an offensive rating, a 112.1. So you would think, like, okay, well, what's the big deal? Why would him being not available really hurt this team? Um, but really what it is, because, again, when he's off the court, they actually have a plus 11.2 net rating. He's a good offensive rebounder, though, and he really does contribute to their ability to offensive rebound. Uh, when he's on the court, they grab a third of their missed shots. 33.5% is their offensive rebounding rate. Uh, in terms of some of the putback numbers, in terms of overall uh, half-court offense, not really great, but some of the putback numbers are really solid with Precious Chua. I wouldn't say that this is a loss on its own, but I would say that Precious Achua without Pascal Siakam, right, as you start to get um, the multiple injuries at a single position or in the front court, right, that's when you start to really feel the brunt of some of these injuries. So that that's just, again, I don't think this is a power rating altering number. And even it's, of course, of a small sample size. But with both of those two off the floor, we're talking about a plus 26.2 net rating for the Toronto Raptors. So I wouldn't adjust my power rating on Toronto. But this is a team that, remember last year, was limited and hampered by injuries. It's a pretty tough deal in terms of the availability there. And now they're just suffering this again. So I didn't want to spend a lot of time here because some of the numbers do paint a funky picture uh, with pressures chewing on out there. But again, it's worth pointing out that this is a team that dealt with injuries a season ago and is starting to deal with them again. Now, this next one, I think, is pretty interesting in terms of its impact on this team. Um, but on Wednesday night, for those who read the column, know that uh, I was on the Brooklyn Nets laying two and a half against the New York Knicks. And this is not a, hey, pat myself on the back. I got it. Uh, but no, but this is worth pointing out that Jacques Vaughn is taking over as head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. I would say <laughs> this makes a lot of sense for a team that has been mired uh, in 
issues when it comes to off-court stuff. I think it makes the most sense in the world uh, that this team would probably want to shy away from some of the off-court stuff when it comes to, I don't know, hiring Ime Udoka. But what I really wanted to do was not so much build on Jacques Vaughn, but I think what a symptom of Jacques Vaughn taking over as head coach has been. Don't look now, but very quietly, this Brooklyn Nets team has been playing better on defense. So they blow out the New York Knicks. They only give up 84.4 points per 100 possessions or a defensive rating of 84.4. And uh, there was right around 100 possessions in that game because the Knicks only scored 85. But listen to some of the defense, individual defensive ratings for the Brooklyn Nets in some of these games that they have played recently. By the way, they've won three out of four games. Uh, they've won four out of six. They're playing a little bit better in terms of their basketball. But listen to some of these individual defensive ratings. A defensive rating of 84.4 against the Knicks, 109.2 against the Mavericks, 101.1 against Charlotte, uh, 91.4 against Washington, 103.8 against Indiana. And Indiana's been playing some pretty good offensive basketball. I don't know if this team is becoming a dynamite, right, um, offensive team or defensive team, but it's a team that does have some relatively solid defensive pieces. And you do wonder if, like, when you look at them and the way that they've been playing, that Jacques Vaughn, who does have his fingerprints on this offense, uh, if this team's going to be a little bit better as they move forward and maybe a team worth playing on. Kevin Durant's been incredible, averaging over 30 points per game on an efficient shooting clip. I just think when you look at what Jacques Vaughn's been able to do in the past, and I think he does have his fingerprints on how well this team has been playing defensively lately with some relatively solid defensive pieces, I do think that the Brooklyn Nets are maybe a team worth monitoring from an ATS standpoint. All right, we'll take our first break here. Uh, on the other side, uh, let's take a look at a couple of trends that are very much worth pointing out that includes a, uh, a team that the Brooklyn Nets faced recently. And also, we dive into the six-man-of-the-year market as we have a new favorite, and I am amazed that Russell Westbrook now has the respect of the betting market. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. All right, we're back. A lot left to get to here in the next couple of minutes of hardwood handicappers. Haven't played for about a week and a half or so, so let's get to uh, just a couple of, uh, we'll call them uh, anomalies when it comes to some trends and figure out whether it's worth it or not to follow some. Trends or trash. All right, now these next, uh, these first two trends, I should say, uh, they're going to tie into one another and um, because it's the same team, obviously. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets. So let's focus first on from a side perspective, and we're recording this uh, on thir late Thursday um, for the East Coast people, for me, early Friday. And um, Charlotte just got done with the overtime game against the Miami Heat. Now, they ended up losing 117-112. to That game goes over the total. Hornets cover that number. There's a relatively big one there. Um, but even with the cover... Hornets are 1-9 straight up, 3-7 and seven against the spread in their last 10 games. They are also 7-2 and two to the under in their last 8 games. So the question is, uh, the Hornets will start off first in terms of their losing ways and uh, lack of covers, trend or trash. 
And I would say trend. I mean, when you look at Charlotte, and this comes with a caveat, and I think both of these do, and I really just wanted to bring this up because it's very much worth noting for anybody who hasn't been keeping track of this with Charlotte. Um, until they start to get healthy, LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, uh, we'll throw in Cody Martin in that mix as well. Until they start to get healthy, they're going to be a really, really poor team. And even when they do get healthy, they're still going to be terrible. But Listen to some of these, and you know tonight was a little bit of an exception. Listen to some of these individual offensive ratings. And actually, I should say, as I look at the final numbers for tonight, uh, tonight was just a quick-paced game that went into overtime. They were not efficient. So listen to some of these offensive ratings that the Hornets have put forward here over this sample size that I'm talking about. Uh, tonight, in their loss to the Miami Heat, an offensive rating of 103.7. In their loss to the Portland Trailblazers on November 9th, this is the second leg of a back-to-back, so uh, for at least at this moment right now where I'm recording yesterday, uh, 103.3, 102.1, 101.1, 84.3, 89.6, 106.9. That would be their last seven games. Their offense has been absolutely abysmal. There was a game in which they played the Orlando Magic. They actually went off on the road as one-and-a-half-point favorites. They put up an offensive rating in that game of 77.8. This team has been abysmal on offense, absolutely abysmal. And there's a couple of things that stick out. First off, it's the health, right? The health thing has been an issue for Charlotte for a since we'll say since the season has began. Charlotte has been a terrible team in terms of their health and availability. LaMelo Ball has yet to make his debut from a season standpoint. So this is I think a very big reason as to why this team has struggled on offense the way that it has. Uh, I would also say that this team, from the way that they're playing offense, it is different than the way that they played offense last year. And this is why I think the Steve Clifford thing just didn't really jive with me. If you look at the Steve Clifford numbers for some of his last few teams, they were slower-paced teams. And while 1% might not make that big of a difference, it is a little bit of a difference here. And we'll continue to team this team play at a relatively slow pace. But go back to last year. So these are numbers in comparison. Last season, the Charlotte Hornets were first in the NBA in points added per 100 possessions through transition offense, 4.3. This year, they're 24th, 2.1. In terms of frequency of transition or percent of possessions started with a transition play, last year they were third, 16.8. This year, they're 16th, 15.8%. And in terms of their overall efficiency in transition, third last year in the NBA, an offensive rating of 132.8 in transition compared to 118.2 this season in transition that is 26th so in two categories in which last year they ranked first and third offensively in transition they ranked 24th and 26th this season now lamella ball not playing is probably going to help some of that but that has been an absolute uh, that's that's terrible it's absolutely terrible and what makes it even worse is if you look at their numbers off of live rebounds off live rebounds they are last in the nba in points added per 100 possessions through transition offense off of life rebounds, and they are 30th in overall offensive efficiency in transition off life rebounds. 30th in both categories. They were 5th and 4th in those last season. Uh, And look, again, LaMelo Ball, does that change things for you? Does having a lead guard like that who can help you grab rebounds and run? Yeah, sure. But I also think it's part of Clifford's overall philosophy to not really play overtly fast and I think you're starting to see that kind of transpire here for the Charlotte Hornets so even if they do start to get healthy which they'll get better offensively I just think this is kind of square peg round hole here for the Charlotte Hornets I felt that way for a while I wrote about it when it came to the 
higher in the first place in the NBA betting guide, and it's starting to play out. And it's not that there's all negatives for this whole thing, but like when you look at Charlotte right now, defensively, they are much better than they were a season ago. Last season, they were 20th, give up 113.6 points per 100 possessions. It's 111.8 right now. It does make sense that they would be a little bit better in this system. Um, it might be just because of the coaching philosophy and what Steve Clifford wants to do here. But I think you're starting to see that Steve Clifford offensively is having a negative effect for this Hornets team, which leads us to the other trend. And I think these are kind of both trends at this point right now. Even if they get healthy, it might be. But Hornets, to the, in their last nine games, 7-2 and two to the under in their last nine games. Until Clifford starts to turn things around here and maybe shift a little bit in terms of what he wants to do offensively, lets them run a little bit more. Uh, when Lamella Ball comes back, lets them run a lot more. Maybe these things will change. But right now, this Hornets team is the worst offensive team in the NBA. They're the worst transition offense in the NBA. Their defense maybe has led a little bit better, but it has led to a very poor against the spread record and it has led to a very poor uh, rate of games going over the total. So for right now... This team is a bet against team. They are an under team. And until LaMelo Ball comes back, maybe, just maybe, that's worth betting on him. But even then, who knows if he's not going to be on a minutes restriction. I just think this Hornets team. And remember, we talked about this at the beginning of the year on one of these podcasts. The sneaky tank candidate, right? We Everybody was wondering about you know the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs and the Indiana Pacers of the world. The sneaky tank candidate was always Charlotte. And here we are, thir- uh, 13 games into the NBA season. And Charlotte right now, 3-10, and and very much on their way toward tanking this thing. And I'm going to tell you right now, right, we're still waiting for LaMelo Ball to come out and play his, uh, obviously make his debut here. I would not bank on this team really allowing a guy like LaMelo Ball uh, to win or to get to come back. Like I just, I think there's so much in front of them at this point right now in terms of potentially getting one of the top picks in the NBA draft. That boy, oh boy, I think it's going to be really hard for this team to realistically look around and go, man, we should really rush this kid back. Uh, when instead, you could look at him and go, you know what? Nah, <laughs> let's let this kid, let's just sit this one out. Let's just sit this one out. Uh, and even right now, too, like uh, a guy like, uh, or a spot, I should say, like DraftKings, has um, taken off Charlotte in terms of its adjusted win totals and yes, no playoff props. This was a team that earlier before the year started at minus 200. That was a really good price to invest in to miss the playoffs, even at minus 200. Yes, if there's value in a number, you know, big money, or excuse me, big odds, uh, yes, it is worth investing in and uh, miss the boat on that because Charlotte's going to be a really big favorite to miss out on the postseason and to be one of those tanking candidates. All right, so trend, I would say. Trend on the Hornets being a terrible bet against or bet on team. Again, 1-9 straight up, 3-7 and seven against the spread in their last 10 games, and a trend for this team being an under team, 7-2 to the under in their last nine games. One more trend or trash before we get to our, uh, I guess we'll call it like a weekly look at the awards market. You know, we've looked at the awards last couple of episodes, but this one's very much we're looking at. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Dallas Mavericks now, after this last game, uh, again, we're recording this a little bit late on Thursday night, but uh, the Dallas Mavericks went on the road, lost outright as a road favorite against the Washington Wizards, 113-105. to So the Dallas Mavericks, after that loss, how about this figure? Now 1-7-1, and <clears throat> excuse me, against the spread in their last seven games. So question is here, trend or trash? And I will again say this with a caveat, and this has to do with health as well. Uh, that is a trend until one Christian Wood comes back. Let's take a look at this box score 
uh, from this game against the Washington Wizards. And you will understand what I'm saying here because Christian Wood has been dealing with a knee injury, so he's not been able to play. Uh, the starting five for the Dallas Mavericks today against the Washington Wizards. Dorian Finney-Smith, plus four. Reggie Bullock, plus one. Dwight Powell, plus five. Spencer Dinwiddie, plus three. Now, Luka Doncic, in terms of his plus-minus, was a minus six in his 39 minutes played. But the overall point here is this bench for the Dallas Mavericks. Maxi Kleba, minus 22 in terms of his plus-minus. Tim Hardaway Jr., 28 minutes played off the bench, minus seven in terms of his minutes. Uh, Green off of the bench as well in 19 minutes played, a minus 15 for one Josh Green of the Dallas Mavericks. This bench has nothing without Christian Wood out there. And we're starting to now see here with the Dallas Mavericks, uh, it is a lesser version of what we have seen with the Oklahoma City Thunder, but this lineup and this offense suffers when Luka Doncic is not out there on the floor. And this goes back to one of my original things with Dallas, why I bet them under their win total, one of the things I wrote about with this team before the season began, the fact that one, uh, Jalen Brunson was not around and not available anymore, really hurt this team because they did nothing to address it. And if you look at the numbers right now, no Luka Doncic on the floor, a negative 0.4 net rating, a 106.2 offensive rating, that is abysmal. And if you compound that, with the loss of one Christian Wood, and you look at the possessions in which both Christian Wood and Luka Doncic are not on the floor together, the offensive rating is even worse at 103.6. That is in comparison for the Dallas Mavericks to an offensive rating with Luka Doncic on the floor, again, this is according to Cleaning the Glass, of 117. So we're talking about nearly a, actually just over a 10-point differential in terms of just their offensive rating. This Mavericks team has been overvalued by the betting market, this Mavericks team has real issues when it comes to its offensive output when Luka Doncic is not out there on the floor. And yes, that's great. They are 6-4 and four right now coming off of that loss to the Washington Wizards. But this team has problems. I think this team, we're going to start to see them very much come back down to earth in terms of overall results. If you look at their schedule going forward, it's about to get a lot tougher. It is a homestand here. They have a five-game homestand. I'm, I'm terrible at counting. One, two, three, four, five. Yep. A five-game homestand. It's Portland. The Clippers, Houston, Denver, uh, consecutive matchups with Denver and Dallas, on the road against Boston, on the road against Toronto. And by the time we get to Toronto, who knows how healthy the Raptors are. That's November 26th, so it's right after Thanksgiving. Just got a little bit of time. But the overall point here is, I think Dallas might start to come back down to earth here, man, because this Dallas team really, bench-wise, has a lot of issues. So I would say very much a trend here that the Dallas Mavericks are in the midst of, yet again, a 1-7-1 ATS slide in their last, what is that now, nine games? It's really bad, I think, for the Dallas Mavericks. And I think it's really bad because this is just something that I kind of expected coming into the season. And I think that is why this is very much worth monitoring when it comes to the Mavericks and their bench play up to this point. So I didn't want to get deep into some of these trends, but I thought those were a couple of trends worth mentioning. So before we get you out of here, uh, let's take a look really quickly at what we're seeing in the NBA betting market and the awards market specifically. Uh, but <laughs> I think this is one of the funnier things out there. Um, one Russell Westbrook. How about this? Russell Westbrook and multiple shops before Thursday night's action. The favorite to win the sixth man of the year in the NBA. 
plus 150. And the, these numbers courtesy of points, but because other spots, you know, like DraftKings took it off. So this just gives you an idea of what the market looks like here. Russell Westbrook at plus 150. Jordan Poole at 3-1. to one, Benedict Mathurin at 9-1. to one, Christian Wood, after mention, 11-1. Uh, Colin Sexton, 13-1. to one, Bobby Portis at 15-1. to one, And then Malcolm Brogdon at 18-1. to one. Again, these numbers I'm listing off to you right now uh, would be courtesy of points bet. But it is wild, insane even, um, that Russell Westbrook is favored to win this award. And Russell Westbrook's been fine off of the bench. You know, we don't need to really come off, you know, go through some of the numbers uh, from Westbrook in terms of what he's done off of the bench in detail. I just think that when you're talking about, again, like implied probability when you're talking about a price of plus 150 is way too high, one, at this point of the season, and two, when you talk about a guy who is demoted. I thought Kelly Bidlin, who can't join us on this episode clearly this week, brought up a great point when I did a spot with uh, the uh, the Big Bets crew earlier in the week, which was this guy was demoted from his job. Are voters realistically really voting for him? And look, last couple of games have been fine. But again, you're talking like, well, we'll see, look. What are we talking about here? 18 points per game in the month of November, especially since starting to come off of the bench for the Los Angeles Lakers, and it's on an efficient 53% shooting from the floor, four rebounds, 7.8 assists. The numbers are great. They're fine. But, and this isn't a case like, hey, you know, screw Russell Westbrook, he's not going to win this. Again, this is just pushing a back against the narrative of this dude being this big of a favorite at this point of the season, especially when you have other candidates that are really, really quality candidates. But it's Matherin scoring 30 the other night, coming off of the bench in a loss to the New Orleans Pelicans. I mentioned Christian Wood and his value as a bench player for the Dallas Mavericks. How about a guy like Bobby Portis, who has been playing really good basketball for the Milwaukee Bucks, and for a team that has really missed him, like missed a lot of production in terms of small forwards, because you know their top three small forwards are all not playing, he improves their offensive rating by 6.1 points per 100 possessions. Uh, he is still coming off of the bench. I think it was basketball reference that had Bobby Portis uh, in terms of their MVP algorithm as a candidate to win MVP at this point this year, which I would say again, I mean, this goes back to last year. They had Montrez Harrell as an MVP candidate early in the season as well. I think basketball reference probably has to tweak their algorithm in terms of rate MVP and um, six-man-of-the-year candidates. But I think when you look at it from the perspective of six-man-of-the-year, it is ridiculous that Russell Westbrook is the favorite. And again, these markets are based off liability, but if I'm taking a shot here anywhere in this market, uh, I'm looking a little bit deeper, and I do think that we should probably start to keep track of Bobby Portis as a six-man-of-the-year candidate. His numbers have been really solid to this point right now, and he has been a driving force behind this big start to the Milwaukee Bucks season, and he's been great just because of what they've been dealing with from an injury standpoint. But at 13.1 points, 10.9 rebounds, those numbers might not pop off the page, but he has been a big positive for Milwaukee, and I do wonder if he gets a little bit of traction. But I'll say this right now, I uh, I think it's insane that Russell Westbrook is going to is at least the favorite at that price to win six man of the year. All right, with that, we'll all wrap it up. Uh, again, like, rate, review, subscribe, vcin.com as well for the daily write-ups. And uh, we'll get back to normal next week with Kelly Bidlin joining us. And uh, I'm going to get back to Las Vegas here in a few hours, so I can't wait to be back home. But again, like, rate, review, subscribe, Hardwood Handicappers back on Tuesday. And make sure you check out those daily write-ups up on vcin.com slash jvt.